This trip is brought to you by our good friends at CoinKite. CoinKite's here. They build the best Bitcoin hardware in the space. I'm rubbing my block clock right now. Have you ever rubbed your block clock, Logan? No, I'm not weird. Yeah, it doesn't feel great. It's not a rubbing product. It's a looking product. You look at it. It gives you great stats on the Bitcoin network. You set it up. It's a beautiful, aesthetically ple- pleasing piece of hardware. It keeps you updated on what's going on in Bitcoin. That's just one thing. That's just like the fun things that CoinKite makes. They're very fun. They're very cool. They also make the best security hardware in the Bitcoin space. Their wallets, the MK4 and the Q1, both come with two secure elements. Uh, both are NFC enabled. Both allow you to create private cu- public key pairs offline in an air gap fashion so your private keys never touch the internet you can add entropy to your private key with dice rolls as well with both products a bit different mk4 looks like a little calculator the q1 is a full keyboard device with a bigger screen uh, qr scanning capabilities uh, and it has a battery pack as well again the most secure hardware on the market allows you to create your private public keys in an air gap fashion it's the best way to do it. Adding entropy to it as well. Eliminate single points of failure. Cold card helps you do that with their hardware by keeping your stuff offline. They also have the SATS card, the tap signer, the SATS chip, a bunch of things. Go check it out at coinkite.com. Try RHR. Just try it. Tell me what happens. Nobody's told us, Logan. Have you tried it? Uh, I have not. Have you tried it? I have not. Maybe it's on me. Maybe I should go try it. This trip was also brought to you by our good friends at Unchained. We talk about them in this episode. They're doing it the right way. They're a financial institution of the future, building their whole company off of Bitcoin's native multi-sig properties. They have their Vault product, which is a two or three multi-sig, in which you hold two keys. Unchained holds one. Since you have those two keys, you control your Bitcoin. You can move it whenever you see fit. If you're ever in a pinch and need Unchained to be the second in the two or three multi-seat quorum, the second signature, they're there for you. Uh, they have the trading desk where if you buy Bitcoin through their trading desk, it goes straight to that vault that you set up. So there's no pulling out keys, wallets, addresses. You buy Bitcoin, it goes straight to your multi-seat cold storage vault. Single points of failure are eliminated in that model. Unchained never holds the Bitcoin. You don't buy it. On Unchained, it sits on exchange. No, you buy it, goes straight to your multi-sig cold storage. Whether you're an individual, high net worth individual, a family office, an institution, a sovereign wealth fund looking to buy Bitcoin, hit up Unchained's trading desk. Go to unchained.com slash trading to check it out and enjoy this rip of Rabbit Hole Recap. You've had a dynamic where money's become freer than free. If you talk about a Fed just gone nuts, all, all the central banks going nuts. So it's all acting like safe haven. I believe that in a world where central bankers are tripping over themselves to devalue their currency, Bitcoin wins. In the world of fiat currencies, Bitcoin is the victor. I mean, that's part of the bull case for Bitcoin. If you're not paying attention, you probably should be. How we feeling out there, freaks? Are we live now? They're live. What a week. It's a fun week. A lot to talk about. It is a fun week. This stuff is exhilarating. If you're able to distinguish between the grift and the fundamentals of the protocol, 
in companies that are building things the right way, you're you're sitting pretty, you're unbothered, you're moisturized, you're loving life. I love I love that meme. Yeah. Freaks Every good meme is based in reality. I think we have an RHR first to start off this episode. I got a, a text in the Bitcoin Commons group chat this morning that there was a package delivered to the Commons and I was requested to do a live unboxing on air. So we're going to start with live unboxing. We're going to start with it? Yes. This is a post mailed for Justin Moon, who isn't here, but I was told <laughs> that it is for me and not Justin. Some good OPSEC here. Thank you to whoever sent this. It's coming from BitcoinHackGuy.com. Free ad. We're going to see what we got here. No scissors, just pure raw muscle. Straight power. I love that shirt you're wearing from the classic. It's a great one. I think you're going to like this hat. I might not pull it out. You know what? I'm going to wear it. it with pride. I don't know what Matt just did, but I got a new hat. It looks great. <laughs> did you get that one sent too? No, this one I made, and I might have been aware of that hat coming in. No bugs, no pod. Let me get the sticker off so I don't look like a complete loser. Uh, you do. You have a blue check on your hat. This is what Paul that's, where you, that's where you're going to put your Neuralink. It goes, it's going to match my pin nicely. It's, good, it's going to chip right into your head. Feels good. Fits nice. We've got softcore porn. we got softcore porn being added to the rabbit hole recap tweet in the thread. I'm wearing a verified check hat. Blue check. Marty Ben here. You guys are not going to believe the things I'm learning inside the Blue Check Club. They've got some plans. One day I will tell you all their plans. The timing is not right, though. Marty has been captured. My canary now is if you'll know I'm compromised if I have that Blue Check uh, next to my name on Twitter. We are getting it's nice of Twitter to have a nice simple feature to see who's compromised and who's not with a little check mark. You may think I'm compromised. I will take I will take the hits of you calling not, me compromised, cocked, a whiff, I'm not quite sure. I'm not stooge. quite sure what's going on with that Titanic submarine, but I know Psy the blue up. checks are cover the blue Psy checks are covering it up. Psyop. Very you convenient. think it's a psyop? No, I think it's real. I think the Well, you want to hear what happened? It was Okay. So the Titanic, the Titanic had had four people, industrialists that were anti the Fed. Oh, yeah. And and the Titanic didn't hit an iceberg. It was sunk. By torpedoes. As a result, they've been trying to exclude people from going to it, but it's in international water, so they couldn't exclude it. So the blue check set up this plan to have this this submarine go missing around there so that they can then forbid people for safety reasons from visiting the site of the Titanic. You're on the That's what happened. Uh, yeah. Internally, that, that will signal that checks out. 
it checks out, pun intended. Yeah, it checks well, out. I'm glad we got the important part of the show out of the way. Now we can just relax. Yeah, if you freaks didn't know, it was Guggenheim. Where are the street? Guggenheim was one of the guys. There's two other dudes, billionaires back in the day, who were anti-Federal Reserve. We've been told a lie. James Cameron, his movie was a giant psyop. Have you looked at his Twitter account? <laughs> is, is he, he's he's, a blue got, check he's got too. the check. Yeah. He's yeah. got the check. The reason I know it's a lie is because I'm in the blue check club, and that's <laughs> where you disclose all the truth in the club. James Cameron's running around like, yeah, people bought it, hook, line, and sinker. Draw me like one of your French girls, really caught people into the psyop. But we do have serious things to talk about this week. I am wearing a blue check hat, and there's a lot going on in the space. Uh, we are going. By the to way, co- freaks, I have more of these hats. Um, so if you if you come to the park uh, for our summit next month, uh, and and you do not have a blue check, um, there's a hat waiting for you. I think this one looks better, honestly. If we're being honest, it's just like that's that hat's too busy. It's like too much reading. Too much reading for the blue check brain. Six words, too much. <laughs> Noted. <laughs> Three declarative statements, too much. Too much. Um, we've got a lot to talk about. Like I said, a lot going on in the space right now. Before we get to all of it, let's do what we do best at the beginning of these episodes, which is hop to Clark's dashboard to check in on the state of the network. <laughs> <laughs> We are currently sitting. Carlos, Carlos fact-checked you. It's five words. <laughs> I mean, actually, it might be seven if the symbol Why? blue check, if you say two words. It's like clearly not a word. But you think of the words when it's you see it. fucking check. Check, blue check, seven words. Carlos, you're wrong. Current price of Bitcoin is above $30,000, sitting at $30,075. One cuck buck's going to get you. 3,325 sats. We're currently sitting at a $583.7 billion market cap. We are at block height 795,475. We are currently 845 blocks away from the next difficulty adjustment, which is estimated to be on June 28th of this year, next Wednesday. Currently estimated to be a negative 1.9% downward adjustment. Block's been coming in at 10 minutes and 12 seconds on average. We will talk about that. We do have that on the list. Uh, According to Clark's mempool, there are 131,783 transactions. In his mempool, if we go to Wiz's mempool, there are currently 333,762 transactions. So the bigger mempool is maxed out right now. Uh, More than one gigabyte of memory being used. Uh, There are currently 7,927.51. Marty, you still think mempools are going to clear? Eventually, eventually, always. Um, they're currently 7,927.51 Bitcoin in unspent capacity in Samurai's Whirlpool. That's 238.4 million cuck bucks in unspent value. That is the state of the network. We can jump in the mining, but I think the, the more pressing topic of the day is the big news of the day. Prime Trust. BitGo. Backed out of the deal. Uh, if you freaks remember last week or two weeks ago, Bitco came out and said, hey, 
we're I think it was last week, right? Might have been last week. We're um, looking to. Oh no! Acquire. It must have been two weeks ago because we were remote, and last week we were in person. Yes. Right? So two weeks ago, Bitco came out and said, "Hey, we've signed a letter of intent to acquire Prime Trust." That's all it was. Was a letter of intent. Apparently, over the last two weeks, they'd done some due diligence, and have decided to back away from the deal. That news broke this morning. If you listened to last week's episode and the episode two weeks ago, we have been warning about this. I had my spidey senses tingling that it seemed very reminiscent to the Binance FTX situation where Binance CZ came out and extended an offer to purchase FTX. They looked at the books and said, actually, we're not going to buy this bag of shit. Uh, And it looks like BitGo had a similar experience with Prime Trust. They had a letter intent to sign. BitGo is historically very conservative with the transactions they make in the space. And they Are they? At, uh, yeah. If you talk to people at BitGo, Belshi runs a, a pretty tight ship. And apparently Prime Trust was not up to snuff. And so that has incited somewhat of a contagion effect immediately. Any third party that is still leveraging Prime Trust has had to alert users that their U.S. dollar withdrawals and Bitcoin withdrawals have been halted for the time being. Matt, what are your thoughts? Yeah, I mean, we've been very vocal about the concerns over tr- Prime Trust for, for it feels like, years now. Um, you know, third parties are security holes, and then third parties on top of third parties are, like, security holes... Uh, times you know to the second or whatever exponent exponential security holes squared (laughs) whatever um i'm tired uh but um yeah i mean this shouldn't be a surprise to anybody i will say in terms of uh the bitcoin only companies uh it seems like they got the specifically swan and and strike um it seems they have I, Strike has no exposure to Prime Trust anymore, and I think Swan only has exposure for the people who opted out of transferring over to Fortress Trust. Um, but then, I mean, there's also the question that uh, Fortress Trust is the same co-founder as the same founder as Prime Trust, and we talked about the case either last week or the week before, where he's like wrapped up in that other thing with Bank with a Q. Um, but anyway, look, in these types of situations, not your keys, not your coins is more true than ever, right? Um, when when there's panic in the streets, when uh, when there's people that are, are, are concerned about the solvency of different institutions, um, that's when we start to see even more uh, chaos and damage kind of unfold. And there's always this collateral damage that you can't really expect. Um, so... The tried and true, you know, stay humble, stack sats. I think that implies self-custody. Some people have told me, you know, add self-custody to it. Well, if if you're if you're not taking custody of your Bitcoin, it's not your Bitcoin, you have an IOU. Um, that means more true than ever, right? Hold your own keys, learn how to secure Bitcoin yourself. I have great guides that we run btc.com. Uh, if for some reason you're listening to the show and you haven't done it yet, uh, do it ASAP. Um, 
and I, I think this goes across the board. Like there's a bunch of insolvent institutions throughout the financial system, not just isolated to quote unquote crypto or Bitcoin, but also there's many banks that remain insolvent. Um, and it's, it's imperative that you learn how to hold Bitcoin yourself and hold that wealth yourself. Um, it's easier than you think it is. Yes, do we want it to be easier? Of course. Um, are many of us working towards making it easier? We are, but it's more accessible than you think it is. And you're doing yourself a disservice if you haven't tried. Uh, just try it, practice, back up a wallet, restore a wallet, send a transaction, receive a transaction. Just carve out some, we have a, we have a weekend coming up. Carve out, carve out sometime this weekend and just fucking do it. Get it done. Yeah, Saturday morning, Sunday morning, UTXO management is a uh, is a good practice. I like that. Um, and then, yeah, bu- on. building on what Matt said too. If you're not comfortable taking control of your Bitcoin yet, which as Carlos is mentioning in the comments, if you can drive a car, you should be able to manage your own keys and, and manage your own UTXOs. Cars However, are dangerous. Cars are dangerous. People figure it out. Obvious. As you can hear, there's some cars in the background here. There's people figuring it out right beyond this wall. Um, but we would be remiss to not acknowledge the fact that there are people who do view this as something that's very scary. And if you are not ready to take control of your own keys, this thing operates on a spectrum. You have this side of the spectrum, which is you're completely holding your keys, you're in control on this side of the spectrum where you're completely cucked by a third party with bad practices that are rehypothecating your Bitcoin and or not securing it properly. And there are solutions in the middle that do have some trade-offs. I mean, uh, River is a good example of this. They built their own infrastructure, um, so they have control of that. They hold their, their Bitcoin in multi-sig cold storage. They don't leverage any third parties. And you have other options like Unchained, which allows you to uh, engage in collaborative custody where you hold two keys, they hold one. So you have a little bit of hand-holding there. And then something like Strike, taking advantage of their, uh, taking control of the custody of their Bitcoin under in-house as well. So they control that. They've eliminated the third party of Prime Trust in that regard. And then um, solutions like OnRamp, which is doing multi-sig, multi-institution custody for financial products that get you access to Bitcoin. Um, so there's a spectrum. If you're going to not take on the burden of holding your own keys, make sure you do the research to find these service providers and exchanges that are doing it properly using multi-sig, li- eliminating third-party dependencies like Prime Trust anywhere they can. Um, and that goes to build on the discussion that we had last week about qualified custodians. And that's something I tweeted out earlier today as well, which is like, um, what did I say exactly? Let me find this. I just want to add, Carlos mentions something in the comments. Um, Strike uh, continued to, they've been using Prime Trust for their debit card purchases um, for actually can like getting that fiat. Um, so with Prime Trust down, uh, and it looks like Prime Trust is going into bankruptcy. That's the assumption here that everyone should should be going in 
to should be assuming with prime trust down the debit card purchasing is offline bank transfers still work fine um and like marty said they control their infrastructure on the bitcoin side you should still withdraw uh if you haven't withdraw um there's 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 no shame in running a bank that's solvent uh that's exactly what we should do run all the fucking banks um but uh they are working on a different partner uh, to to do debit cards. Uh, so debit cards should be back online in like a month, something like that. Um, but until then, you still have bank transfers. And I believe direct deposits are down too. And that's like uh, if you get your pay uh, through Strike, if, you, if, if your salary is coming in direct deposit via Strike, I believe that relies on Prime Trust. Don't hold me to it. But regular bank transfers uh, still work. Yeah, let me see. I got the update. Um, in my and email. huge shout out, huge shout out to uh, Leishman and the team at River who painstakingly built out their entire infrastructure stack and owned their entire infrastructure stack, um, and are seem to be completely unbothered by all of this. Um, but once again, you should withdraw from them as well. And I believe they just added auto withdrawals, which is a cool feature. I, I do like, if you're going to do a KYC service, it should be just auto withdrawal to self custody and it should be a one way street. I think, um, I saw resistance money on Twitter. Yeah. He posted that Gemini like flagged him because, uh, his abnormal trading pattern of just stacking sats and withdrawing to self custody had some red flags. Uh, you will not get red flags like that from uh, from a strike or from a river. That is their expected flow. That is exactly what they expect their users to do. I think Jack said earlier that ninety percent of strike users, ninety um, percent of Bitcoin that has been purchased on strike has been self custodied, uh, and that was before all of this. Yeah, in the tweet I found the tweet I sent earlier, which is you can have all the legal check boxes in the world. If you don't know shit about Bitcoin security, it doesn't matter. We're operating in a new uncharted territory that the incumbent legal and financial structure does not grok quite yet. So, are you quoting yourself, Blue Check? I'm I'm just reading a tweet. Yeah, that you wrote. I wrote. You were looking for a tweet that you wrote just to read it out on air. Yeah. It's a Blue Check of me. Noted. Just interesting. The point being. We had the discussion about qualified custodians and the legal risk of not operating with one. But I would argue, as Prime Trust has proven, they're a qualified custodian. Uh, You can check all the legal boxes, but if you don't have your Bitcoin security, you're not running an operationally sound business. All those legal check boxes are just house dressing. It's fiat bullshit. It's all fiat bullshit. And even if you look at... uh, I mean, the way Prime Trust was holding Bitcoin was then they were relying on Fireblocks, which is a shitcoin custodian. Uh, so, so these companies were relying on Prime Trust, who were then relying on Fireblocks, and you were relying on them. So it's like three levels deep of trusted third parties, which Bitcoin fixes. Multi-sig, multi-institution, multi-sig fixes a lot of this. Self-custody fixes this. Yes, that's the ultimate fix to all of this. Get I mean, your coins I, off the exchange, freaks. 
I never expected the timeline of Marty shilling liquid so hard, but just learn self custody. We've uh, we're not gonna redebate liquid. There is nuance to that. There's nuance to that. <laughs> That's an added layer. Uh, liquid is definitely multi institution, multi sig. Yeah. Or multi institution collaborative custody or whatever. But it comes. God, we're gonna rehash it. Pun intended. But then it comes with like other tokens, like Kingdom Trust, Unchained, me, multi-sig, and alone. There's less. Yeah, but abstraction. LBTC, LBTC. There's less abstraction. There's less abstraction. LBTC, you're the one shilling it. I'm LBTC not shilling is, it. Is 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 multi-institutional collaborative custody with a layer of abstraction <laughs> with the tokens on top of it. Those, I mean, those tokens are separate from the Federation. LBTC is secured by the Federation. The tokens are, are essentially single sig or whatever. It's just like one token issuer is issuing a token on top of the liquid protocol. But LBTC is multi-institution, multi-sig. It's like literally what it is. Yeah, but it's two different ledgers. So you lock it up. We're rehashing it. There's a layer of abstraction. I think the model down the hall has less abstraction than liquid. I mean, it definitely has less institutions in the, in, <laughs> in, in, in the multi-sig as well. That is true. So what do we think? What's going to happen with prime trust bankruptcy, obviously definitely bankruptcy. Yeah. I mean, uh, there's some people on Twitter saying there's going to be clawbacks and stuff like that. Just take self custody. Everyone should take self custody. Um, the path to hyper-Bitcoinization is billions of people getting rugged over and over again until they take personal responsibility and hold their own Bitcoin themselves. And that includes the banks. And that includes BlackRock. And the BlackRock ETF is almost definitely getting approved. Uh, I heard differently today. I really don't think they would. I you, you can't bet against financial corruption. I'm a, I'm a, I'm a, I'm operating under the assumption of financial corruption will be that BlackRock is the first ETF out there, and as a result, uh, will have the overwhelming majority of volume. Because first, that's what they did with gold, GLD. Yeah. Um... I don't know. I have my spidey senses tingling again where going all the way back to 2013, 2014, everybody was certain that particular ETFs were going to get approved and they got, I mean, they got the Gemini the bros, door. the Gemini bros. Yeah, I mean, once I will, again, I do think this one has a significantly higher chance of getting approved, but I wouldn't be surprised if it gets denied. BlackRock, BlackRock once runs the world, Marty. Have you not seen the latest James O'Keefe? Yeah, what? I did see it, but do you think that recruiter actually? You think he was just you know, like fluffing for a date? You know who's you know who's uh, the top two shareholders of Tesla? Vanguard and BlackRock. Yeah, you know who's the top shareholder of Vanguard? No. BlackRock. Interesting. BlackRock controls Elon. Elon controls the blue checks. It all lines up. He doesn't control and me. And the ETF will get approved. I'm in here leaking blue check club alpha. He doesn't control me. <laughs> we were sworn to secrecy. I signed an NDA. Okay. 
I just broke it. Uh, <laughs> Logan, pull up the tweet. Uh, going back to the idea that there may be clawbacks. Bill Monion from uh, from River was one of my trusted lawyers in the space. He's not my lawyer. I just trust his opinion. He added some contacts <laughs> to this. Um, first, River uh, employees saying, first, people should always withdraw. But since I'm opposed to the unsupported FUD coming from qual- qualified Kasonian supporters, I think the concern is <laughs> overblown in terms of... It means Corey. In terms in terms of uh, <laughs> clawbacks. Or in a ordinary course, quote unquote, ordinary course payments are typically exempted from preference actions. And that would seem to be the case here. Uh, and then David Bailey says, even with cases of fraud is the transfer. And then Bill says that the transfer of prime trust to the prime trust using exchange fraudulent or is there just fraud involved? I think your original tweet was about preference actions and quote unquote, ordinary course would be a decent defense. Fraudulent transfer has a two year look back, but if the funds went to a creditor to extinguish a debt, then this becomes a very difficult case. So I think Bill's saying that clawbacks are probably unlikely. Um, there's a legal defense in terms of quote unquote ordinary case that should be able to protect end users who bought and withdrew Bitcoin or companies that were interacting with prime trust that accepted Bitcoin on behalf of customers that it will not be clawed back. Yeah. I mean, I think it's really far fetched to say that people are going to get clawed back if they took self custody. I think that's impossible. I guess the, yeah. the more, it's the, the higher likelihood impossible. is companies having to get Bitcoin back to prime trust, but even that yeah. seems like a little. Probably a reach. Yeah. Drama sells. People love the engagement. It does. So what do you think? We had a big week. It's funny. We've had this week, we've had BlackRock ETF announcement that was followed by a flood of uh, more ETF filings. And to be clear, not technically ETFs. These are grantor trusts. It seems that. Doesn't uh, fucking matter. Doesn't matter. There is nuance to it. The grantor trust, that's what GLD is. So they're more akin to GLD than GBTC. Yeah, but everyone calls GLD a fucking ETF. I know. I know. Because sure. it's it's traded on an exchange and it's a fucking fund. <laughs> yeah, but like an ETF, <laughs> if you want to get in, like an ETF is uh, an exchange traded fund is supposed to follow an index usually of okay. stocks or commodities and the grantor trust is just one commodity. Thing. In practice, it's the same thing. Yes. Um, but we had those announcements. Uh, BlackRock, obviously. Uh, Fidelity, I believe. Citadel. And so we, Valkyrie we knew, Funds. We knew about Fidelity and Citadel launching EDX, uh, but they actually launched. Like they, they had announced that they were intending to launch previously, but they launched this week. Um, which, I mean, we kind of talked about this earlier. I, like, first of all, never bet against financial corruption. Never bet against, uh, uh, you know, regulator, yeah, regulators being corrupt and bought. Um, but they hit Binance, right? And I think this goes towards my concept that like Coinbase is just getting a slap on the wrist. Like Coinbase gets hit with like just some kind of fine, they settle. And then that way they can pretend like, oh, we're not attacking Binance, but they're just attacking Binance. Um, And then 
the big players come in. BlackRock, who runs the world and controls the blue checks, um, comes in. They launch their ETF. They get out first. Citadel and Fidelity launch their exchange, EDX, try and capture as much volume as possible. Coinbase gets their piece because they're holding custody of the BlackRock funds and they get management fees on that side. And also, if if we have a BlackRock fuel pump, that's just going to help Coinbase's business bottom line in general. Um, and then you just kind of watch the whole thing play out and why attack Binance? Uh, first of all, I've said many times that I obviously disagree with CZ's shitcoinery and some question, very questionable ethical behavior. Um, and I mean, BNB is just a complete fucking shitcoin. Like if you're holding BNB, like you're a fucking idiot. Um, but if you want to talk about, we've heard so much FUD about the BlackRock ETF. And I, I, I think most of it is unfounded. I think, I think Bitcoin is designed in a way to be resilient and robust against a BlackRock coming in. And if, if you, this was going to happen no matter what. So if, if you're concerned about it, um, that's fine. Um, but I would say that you never really had true conviction in Bitcoin and um, but the reason I say this is because one of the lines of FUD is is paper Bitcoin, BlackRock using paper Bitcoin to suppress the price of Bitcoin. And I think this year has proven that anyone who plays paper Bitcoin games will get fucking blown out eventually. We saw that happen to Celsius. We saw that happen to FTX. We saw that happen to BlockFi. And we saw that happen to Barry. Um, and anyone who plays those games will get blown out eventually, but... I'm not sure if the blue checks realized that yet. And so so what they did was they were like, let's attack Binance because if we do want to try and do paper Bitcoin um, and we do want to suppress the price of Bitcoin, then we can't have global unregulated exchanges happening that show the true price of Bitcoin. Because what happens in practice is humble stackers just con- continuously take Bitcoin off the market, hold it in self-custody, um, and use it in a circular economy. And then all of a sudden, what happens is you have the most scarce asset that humanity has ever seen, and the price should increase. And if you can't control every exchange, then the price will increase. And in that situation, anyone playing paper Bitcoin games get blown out, and they know they can't hit you know, Bitcoin's a global phenomenon. It's a permissionless open financial network. They can't stop every exchange, but Binance controls, you know, 50, 60% of global volume. So if they can take out Binance, that's a nice, that's a nice, you know, um, knock that they can take out of, you know, the rung of global Bitcoin trade and they can suppress the price. They can try and suppress the price of Bitcoin. They believe they can suppress the price of Bitcoin, but they can't. And so, so I would say on both BlackRock FUD lines, uh, whether that is a proof of stake fork, um, which they might try, anyone can fork if they want to, um, or if that is a paper Bitcoin play, uh, I think in both situations, what happens is an attempt might be made, it very well may be made, and when it's proven unsuccessful, it is going to be the most bullish event in Bitcoin history. Like people will like if they try and do an ESG fork. If BlackRock tries to do an e- the granddaddy of ESG, if they try and do an ESG proof of stake fork and and they fail, which they will if they try, there's going to be a bunch of people sitting on the sidelines like, oh shit, 
Like, this is the real deal. Like, BlackRock controls everything, but they can't control fucking Bitcoin. Yeah, it would be massively bullish. And I find it hard to believe it even gets there. I think they have to realize this game theory. Maybe they do have the hubris. Maybe Larry runs the world, thinks he can run Bitcoin. He will not be able to. Um, and diving deeper, uh, Jesse Myers from OnRamp did a deep dive into the prospect or the filing for BlackRock's trust and it's different than GBTC because it lets you, lets you take in-kind redemptions. But if you actually read the filing, the fine print, it says that you have to be a, a blue an approved, an approved broker dealer to actually take in-kind redemptions in Bitcoin. So if you're buying the BlackRock trust and the ETF, we'll just call it the ETF. If it gets approved uh, and you're thinking that you're going to actually be able to take Bitcoin in kind out of that fund, unless you're an approved broker dealer by BlackRock, that is not going to be the case. So just be aware of that. Yeah. But in terms of price action, that should be enough to keep it in line with the Bitcoin price. So you don't have like a discount like GBTC. And yes. I assume for, for the elites, right. They like basically call up their guy at Fidelity and then Fidelity takes in kind redemption. And then Fidelity then sends you the Bitcoin. Does Fidelity even do that yet, though? I don't think they like I'm just take- I'm using Fidelity as like an example, right? But yeah. that would be the process. And that like that lines up way more with I mean, there's a bunch of rich people that have never even used like Charles Schwab or Robinhood or T D Ameritrade or T D Ameritrade Charles Schwab now, but like have never used they just they literally call a person. They have a broker that they call and they're like, yo, Joe. Like make this trade, do this thing for me, send this wire. And it would be the same situation as this. Like, oh, I want this Bitcoin, you know, go and redeem it. Yeah. Once again, no one should buy the BlackRock ETF, but I'm just saying that it lines up from their perspective. Yeah. Don't buy the buy the BlackRock ETF. Um point of note too. I know we're all over the place right now, but back to prime trust, I think an important detail to mention why things are going terribly bad and why people can't move their funds today is because they've received a cease and desist order from the Nevada state regulators. A few freaks. Remember, we've talked about this throughout the years. Prime trust has been leveraging a Nevada state charter uh, to leverage their money transfer licenses to be able to service all these customers across the United States. And so with the cease and desist order, those MTLs essentially get borked overnight, and that's why you can't move any funds in and out. So I just thought that was a detail that we missed and we should bring up. But uh, yeah, back to the ETF stuff. Whether or not it gets approved, it's yet to be seen. We'll probably know, I believe, from filing to a decision about approval or denial is typically 75 days. So we're about 10 days in almost, or a week in almost seven days. So in about a little over two months, I think within two months, we'll have a decision from the SEC about whether or not that is approved to go live. And then it'll probably take some time after that approval, if it gets approved to actually go live. So it'd probably be around this time next year, I would imagine if it gets approved. Do you want to bet? I bet you it gets approved. Oh no, no, we have... We have too many bets going right now. What do you think happens? Does mempools clear first or does BlackRock ETF get approved? Uh, well, I don't think they're going to clear in 63 days. I have until Christmas. 
So just being a smart better risk allocator. <laughs> BlackRock approval probably happens before. I thought you said it was going to. Okay. I agree. Because <laughs> <laughs> mempools are never going to clear again and the BlackRock ETF is going to be the first one. I would bet that the BlackRock ETF is, or whatever you want to call it. Like, don't hit me with on technicalities. There's not an ETF. Um, that's just getting approved. They would not do it otherwise. It's so corrupt. Everything's so corrupt. And that's why the, pr- the price is pumping because everyone's racing to front run them even though we've been front running BlackRock this whole fucking time. No, dude, it's true USD. Did you see they printed a billion true USD stable coins? The price pumped. BlackRock's the noise. True USD is the oh, signal. Yeah. Bitfinex was on that, right? Yes, yes. Bitfinex. He, he doesn't have you blocked? He doesn't. He doesn't. I had to read that tweet in incognito mode. I never uh Because never I've been blocked him. for years. I've never engaged with him. He sold his Bitcoin at $900 because he was concerned about Tether and has just been flooding ever since. His butt hurt. Um, yeah, but it, it's weird. I think it should be noted too. Marty Jones is going off this week. It's just been like a weird series of events. Coinbase, Binance getting attacked by the SEC. BlackRock coming out shortly thereafter. EDX finally launching. And we should actually talk about the technical details of ETX because it is pretty unique and actually doing it somewhat in the right way. Um what EDX is doing similar to kind of what you said with the with the BlackRock fund, where it's like they don't well they don't actually they're facilitating funds. other but they're facilitating other broker dealers like a, a pleb can't just like sign on to EDX and no, trade no no trade Bitcoin it's like you'd go onto like a white label service provider you go into like Charles Schwab or something and you could buy Bitcoin there but it'd be powered by EDX behind the scenes. And then maybe Charles Schwab holds custody in that situation. And maybe Charles Schwab lets you withdraw. But EDX doesn't hold custody. Yeah, EDX never holds the Bitcoin. They're essentially just They're like a matchmaker. Yeah, like an order book. For Uh, broker-dealers, though. Yeah. Not for plebs. No, not for plebs. You're not going to be using... Blue checks only. EDX. But, so that, that gets announced. And then you have Jerome Powell... On Capitol Hill this week during the um, House Financial Services Committee, basically saying that uh, crypto has staying power. So he admits that um, he had. What was really bearish was uh, Kramer said that he's not against all crypto, which is that's that's a bearish sign. Yeah, the inverse Kramer index. Is he always drunk? <laughs> when I saw like Crypto Rand respond underneath, it's like, Jim, did you have vodka with your cereal again today? He seems like he's always drunk. Probably. Um, That's the only yeah. way he can live with all of his bad advice. <laughs> this could all be a coincidence, all these events happening happening in sequential There is order. no way the Binance hit and then the BlackRock ETF is a coincidence. I know. I, I agree No with shot you. in hell. I agree with you. Um just saying could be a coincidence i doubt it the is titanic didn't sink itself it all seems so perfect um so what do you think is this a boxing out of the industry do you think it's an attempt yeah it's an attempt i think they will not i think they will fail 
but yeah. it, an attempt is being made um, and it just shows they don't fully understand Bitcoin yet. Yeah. They don't understand that the cat's out of the bag. There's definitely and global free markets are here and there's nothing they can do to stop it. There's definitely something going on behind the scenes. We've talked about this off air and I feel comfortable saying it on air without leaking too many specifics, but I have a, an investment bank banker in the family and he's reached out to me <laughs> very interesting times. The first was when SVB was blowing up. He reached out like, Hey, we're uh, interested in exploring some Bitcoin companies. And then, the second time we reached out was this week when all this shit's going on. I was like, oh, what are you hearing behind the scenes? Well, I mean, even in front of the scenes, regardless if BlackRock gets approved, them attempting it is a major signaling mechanism to all the suits, yeah. right? I mean, BlackRock is granddaddy of ESG. Obviously, ESG has been used as a massive complaint against Bitcoin. Um, and so like when you have when you have the largest asset manager in the world, um, announced that they're going to launch a Bitcoin product. Uh, and then all of a sudden, all the suits are like, oh, shit. You know, those crazy guys were right. And Bitcoin is 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 here to stay. And now I need a Bitcoin strategy and I need to front run whatever else comes next, right? Yeah. There's There's tons of suits right now that are just rethinking their whole perspective on Bitcoin just because of the BlackRock news. Yeah. Yeah, in a way, I mean, Grant wrote that piece yesterday for 1031 it is massive validation if you dig into the filings too they do specifically say things like bitcoin is unique uh it is the most decentralized it is the most robust it is a commodity uh it is separate from crypto so that's sort of a signaling mechanism from blackrock like yeah this thing is different and like matt said that sends a bad signal out to all the bankers like bitcoin 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 it's like source seagulls but for bitcoin particularly in this macro climate by the way, I'm not going to let you keep going after source seagulls. Uh, people should ask for sources on Twitter. I agree. It's just don't be so aggressive. Don't be like an annoying seagull. Uh, <laughs> like, I'll give you the source. Source, um, source, source, source. But like, I mean, anyone who has any that's paying attention at all knows that this macro climate right now, this current situation that the global economy is in is just we've never been in this situation before. We are in uncharted waters and, and people are trying to figure out how they should deal with that. And Bitcoin is, is this, you know, completely new untouched financial product. Um, I mean, we think it's the best money the world has ever seen, which it is, but to them in their head, they're thinking, you know, Bitcoin is this completely, um, separate parallel system and our current system is completely fucking borked. Uh, so I should be paying attention to this. And then BlackRock comes in and is like, yeah, we're paying attention to this. And they're like, fuck, $11 trillion. Bitcoin market cap's 5% of that. Here we are. Hey, we're here to help. All you institutions, if you want to learn, we'll teach you how to do it the right way, how to, how to control your keys, how to make sure that you can give your customers access to Bitcoin in a way in which they can hold their keys eventually. If you want to hit me up? DMs are open. But only if you're a blue check. Otherwise, he needs to follow you for you to be able to message him. Not true. Isn't that what Elon's rolling out? 
I hope not. I like getting. I'm still getting DMs from non-blue checks. E- Elon's follow. rolling out. A, Elon's rolling out a quote-unquote feature that you can only message someone if they're not following you if you're a blue check. That's unfortunate. Yeah, I'll bring that up in next week's meeting. <laughs> Don't like this feature. I think the guys are going to like the hat if I wear the hat to the meeting. I'm like, whoo. It's not I an thought, accurate blue check. It has what? too many. Are you sure? It, it has too many edges. I'm I'm well aware because I've been making a lot of blue check memes lately. <laughs> I put the blue check into some template. So I, I know what the blue check looks like. I right. have an accurate blue check on my hat. Well, I might have to take this off since I'm misrepresenting the, the blue check club. It's somewhat blasphemous. Yeah. What do you think this does? I mean, we don't really talk price too much on this show, but <laughs> the... And we've been wrong most of the times we do. Yeah. But directionally correct, which yes. is important. Do you think this ends up being like a CME Futures 2017 launch where buy the uh, buy the news, sell the launch? I I mean, I think... I am so fucking bullish right now. I, uh, you know, I don't. <laughs> I, I, I think I, I don't think people are fully appreciating uh, the scope of this news. Um, once again, largest asset manager in the world, grandfather of 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 ESG, controls everything. They're like the top shareholder. Them and Vanguard are the top shareholders in almost every major company. They're launching a Bitcoin product. The suits are paying attention. All the rich people that have hundreds of millions of dollars, that have multiple yachts, that are not allocated to Bitcoin at all, they don't hold a single sat. They're all paying attention now. There are 60 million million millionaires in the world. Not every one of them could own a third of a Bitcoin. The overwhelming majority of them own zero Bitcoin right now. Yeah. Another, uh, they uh, own no sats. And that's, they don't even have 42 sats. They have no sats. People shit on Satoshi's supply distribution schedule, but it is really beautiful when you think about it. And they're, according to Clark's dashboard, there are currently 19 million... Where is it? Oh, wrong side of the chart. 19,409,024.38 Bitcoin that have been distributed to the market. So 19.4 will round. So there are 1.6 million Bitcoin left. So we have more than 90% of the supply distributed to the network. And of that distributed supply, I believe something like 90, 85 to 90% is held in self-custody while it's that exchanges and other third parties don't control. So that's like actually a beautiful thing. Like it's good that it took 14 years for the institutions to wake up. It's allowed the supply to be distributed to individuals. And if block BlackRock did want to come, <laughs> come in and buy all the Bitcoin, uh, the people have been in it and understand Bitcoin and its potential aren't going to sell their Bitcoin to BlackRock. So they have a very Fuck small that. amount of free float not, Bitcoin. Not that my coins. Not my coins either. 
And so like, yeah, if you factor that in with all the capital and all the, the copycats that will come after them and them trying to get exposure to Bitcoin for their clients as well, they're going to be fighting over a very small overall percentage of the coins that have been distributed to the market already, which again, we're not, we're not the trading crypto Bitcoin YouTube channel that's trying to share chart porn with you. But if we're being honest with ourselves, that is a pretty massive setup. Pretty well, if you look back, massively bullish setup. If you look back, I, I called the bottom the morning, the morning of 15 K I said, I said to everyone should stay humble and stack sets. Like I, I nailed, I nailed the bottom on but that. You say that every day, <laughs> including the bottom. <laughs> yeah. Um, incredibly bullish. <laughs> Get your coins off exchange. Don't sell them to BlackRock. Not going to be a good idea. And it's going to be crazy when you think about it. Like socially, again, that stat is jarring. There's 60 million millionaires in the world. And if every one of them wanted to own a third of a Bitcoin, they couldn't at this point. We front ran most of them while shitposting about it on Twitter and doing this podcast. <laughs> like that, that is what happened. Oh, I have to pull up the bit Stephen quote now. It's pretty fucking hilarious. When you start to think about it, it's really fucking funny. Oh, I gotta find uh like we've been, we've done the exact opposite of keep it to ourselves. We've been screaming it from the fucking rooftops and we still front run the majority of fucking blue checks out there. Pull this up. This, I think this might be top five Bitcoin Twitter Hall of Fame tweet from Michael Goldstein, November twenty fifth, twenty seventeen. You, a Wall Street trader, spent years in school learning minutia of finance, 10 years of 100-hour work weeks, never see family, super excited about your 10% returns this year, me, a Bitcoiner, read some books, shit posted on Twitter, ate some steaks, <laughs> enjoying 900% returns this year. <laughs> oh, I love Bitstein, what a legend. Yeah. And we're front-running them all. How great is that? We're the captain now. Larry. That's another thing you don't understand about my fifth column blue check. Like it's, it's a, you, you're not a fifth column blue check. <laughs> I'm positioning a mutiny within the yeah, blue bullshit. check community. The power is going to shift to us. Knee. You have bent the knee, Marty Bent. Marty bent the knee. That was actually uh, on the koozie for my bachelor party. <laughs> Marty bent his knee. It's a good pun. Here we are. But that was proposed to my wife. Ah, I get it. Yeah, there we go. Good times. That makes sense. Yeah. Yeah, but in this case, it shouldn't be applauded. No, it should be. You guys don't know. But your wife is amazing, so that should be applauded. That was a good. That was a good moment to bend your knee. Yes. So is yours. Thank you, sir. But the only time you bend the knee is for the woman you're going to spend the rest of your life with. Or if you're getting a blue check just to get information so that you can share it with No, everybody. fuck you, man. You literally, the first time I called you out for it, you <laughs> pretended that you accidentally got the blue check. I did actually. And now you're trying it. to rewrite history. Check the record, freaks. Everyone can check the record. Marty just wanted to post longer Twitter videos and have more reach. He for wanted TFTC. that engagement, so he, he verified his identity. 
And that's for why he's going to get the Neuralink. For TFTC. No all chip, right. no bugs, no pod, no check. All right. We got to keep going on. We got more topics to cover. About 45 minutes left. I mentioned it while we were going over Clark's dashboard. It seems that the weather is affecting hash rate again. As he freaks. <laughs> as, you guys, as he freaks saw. Um, on the dashboard, we have a 1.9% negative difficulty adjustment on the horizon next week. Uh, if you're not living in Texas, I am here to report that it has been hot as Hades here. <laughs> Uh, 105 across the board for like the last two weeks. Uh, and that damn two weeks, yeah, that persistent heat has stressed out the grid here in Texas. And uh, miners that are engaged in demand response programs down here have had to turn off uh, their ASICs to serve electricity back to the grid so we don't have any grid failures and people can turn on their air conditioning. And that has had in effect on hash rate. If you want to pull that up, Logan, I wrote about it in the bent last night, got a late bent out. I almost didn't write the bent. I was sitting there. You know what? The people need to know about this. Uh, yesterday at one point, the active hash rate on the network was around 315 exahash. The 30 day average is sitting at 30, 377, I believe, or yeah. So there it is. 313 exahash was the current hash rate yesterday. The 30 day average, as of last night, is 376.87 exahash. So that's about a 17% reduction uh, below the average of the last 30 days. So that is some signal there that miners have or did, uh, at least yesterday, turn off. Uh, if you go to insights.brains.com or even if you just go to mempool.space, current hash rate uh, is 340 exahash. So those miners have uh, turn back on. We had some storms here in Texas last night to cool things off. Um, but yeah, this brings up an interesting discussion about hash rate concentration. Uh, this is the second time uh, miners in Texas have materially affected the intraday hash rate of the Bitcoin network, which has slowed down block production. It's not a massive disruption, but it is something of note. Uh, and typically when we talk about hash rate concentration in geographic areas, the conversation revolves around the regulatory risk of that. If you have too much hash rate in one country, one state, and that country or state, um, like China did in 2021, says, all right, we don't like you anymore. Get out. Uh, that's a regulatory risk that can disrupt the network temporarily. Back in 2021, China kicking out miners reduced overall hash rate, I believe, by 40 or, or 60%, somewhere between those two, um, which was a disruption for some time. Um, many people focus on that regulatory risk, that state risk that exists. But I think with the demand response down here in Texas, uh, particularly where a lot of the hash rate after China kicked out the miners has moved, brings up another interesting um, sort of debate about geographic concentration of hash rate, which is the effect it has on the overall reliability of block production. Um, and I think that'll be a conversation that picks up, especially if Texas does become the mining capital of the world and you have these extreme summers and um, extreme winter events in recent years, like having that hash rate come off the now, like if we have, let's just say the rest of the summer is 105, 110 across the board here in Texas. And these miners are responding to demand every day. You're going to have pretty volatile intraday hash rate. And 
that would probably mean that mempools would be less likely to clear. That's true. That's true. Do you have any thoughts on this? I mean, look, we don't want concentration in any particular region. And I think, um, I think Texas is an interesting microcosm currently, uh, because, uh, Officials there have been uh, very welcoming of this. Up until recently, uh, they've been very welcoming of this demand-response relationship. Um, so as a result, even though if you if you took government out of it, if you took you know utilities out of it, and, and let's be honest, most utilities are very inter- intertwined with their local governments. Um, maybe Texas wouldn't be the most desirable place for miners to be. Maybe there'd be a little bit more competition, but I think what happens on a long enough time scale is you start to see other regions and other parts of the world start to really understand how helpful this kind of demand response relationship can be because Bitcoin miners are very unique in that regard. You can't just turn off a Netflix center, Netflix data center. Uh, otherwise, people aren't going to be able to you know, stream their favorite movie or whatever. Um, but you can turn off Bitcoin miners on demand, right? So they're very helpful to have on grids. And I think more regions will realize that and we'll start to see things spread out more. But even as it currently stands, like I would say in terms of percentage of hash, and I'm curious, Marty, if you agree, in terms of percentage of hash, Texas has probably peaked. Like we probably will never have um, a higher percentage of hash in Texas uh, than we currently have in terms of global hash rate and with the understanding that global hash rate keeps increasing, which it should based on the fundamentals. Yeah, I think I would agree with that statement. You have countries like the Kingdom of Bhutan coming out saying they're going to double down on their mining. Obviously, we know that mining is becoming more popular in Latin America, in the Middle East as well. You have uh, UAE getting into the game, Abu Dhabi getting into the game, Uh Paraguay, Argentina, getting into the game pretty heavily. Okay, uh, and El Salvador, obviously. Where's the, the volcano? Tennessee. Um, keep Tennessee on the download, please. Um, yeah, I would agree. I think Texas. I don't think the overall hash rate in Texas has increased. I think the overall hash rate will continue to increase. Uh, the cumulative hash rate in Texas will continue to increase, but in terms of its overall percentage of global hash rate, I think. It will be outpaced in other regions of the world cumulatively. Yeah, percentage-wise. Yeah. Um. Yeah, I think that's I I think that thesis makes sense to me. Agreed. Um, and I think in general, I think there's a greater concern of just large American public miners controlling a large amount of the hash rate, and I. I, I I think I agree on that same thesis as well, where I, I think percentage-wise probably has peaked. Um, but we'll see. I mean, the if if that's what's funny about the BlackRock FUD because it hits hard on Twitter. It, like it works really well in terms of engagement. So people have been really loving the BlackRock FUD. Um, but the better informed FUD is the publicly traded Bitcoin miners. Uh, and I just, 
I think there's too many innate advantages of being more of a pirate and being a smaller miner um, for that to hold up long term, just because of the regulatory burden, just because of, of everything else that comes with being a large publicly traded company with known data centers. Um, maybe we haven't peaked yet, but we're close. I think we're close to that peak and it, it, the incentives kind of naturally distributed out um, from there. Agreed. And actually, Logan, pull up the second tweet I posted, the most recent tweet I put in our Slack, because that ties into this. This is really cool to see our old stomping grounds, Brooklyn. There's a, I'm, a, a bathhouse in Brooklyn that's using ASICs to heat up their, their hot tubs. Well, the best part about this was friend of the friend of the pod, uh, Joe Weisenthal, posted like the Instagram comments underneath. <laughs> yeah, uh, people freaking the, out. Everyone was free. All the, all the Brooklyn blue checks were all freaking out about Bitcoin being mined at this bathhouse, um, which I just thought was hilarious. Yeah. But I think this is a, a great example of the point you were just making is that you're going to see more of these types of applications that aren't as obvious. They're, they're not as big sitting ducks as the large publicly traded miners, people like the owner of the spa incorporating Bitcoin mining into his operation because it helps him drive down the cost of actually heating up his pools. That's, I think, just this application alone. <laughs> Bitcoin miners becoming a part of the operational stack of, of spas that have hot tubs. That could be a significant amount of hash rate. Geographically and the thing distributed, about ownership distributed uh, pretty granularly as well. That's So there's two but, things. You, you want it geographically distributed and you want it uh, the the ownership of the hash rate distributed amongst many players as well. Right now with publicly yeah. traded miners, you have both problems in one. It's typically geographically concentrated and concentrated ownership in one entity. The, the thing people don't realize about waste heat is the beauty of waste heat and 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 using using the heat from Bitcoin miners um, to subsidize existing heating uh, needs uh, is that waste heat is a diseconomy of scale. So for a lot of things, we have economies of scale where the more you produce, um, the lower your costs. We see that across industries. That's you know one of the reasons why uh, you see mass-produced fiat garbage coming out of China. Um, but with waste heat, there's a diseconomy of scale, which is um, you need to be able to use the heat for it to make sense for you. Um, and you can't on, on, in smaller operations, that is way easier to do. Uh, if you have a large warehouse, um, you're going to have a shit ton of fucking heat and it needs to be locally. There needs, there needs to be a localization of where you use that heat. Like you actually need to use that fucking heat for something. Um, so like, I think, I mean, I don't know what the timeline is, but you know, most, most apartment buildings, like landlords have a direct incentive for their hot water and their heat uh, to be waste heat. And it's, and, and that is inherently distributed, right? People live all around the world and that, that would be on a building by building basis. Um, and I think we see that happen more and more. There's a bunch of companies that are focused on it. I don't know if the time is right yet. Um, the biggest, the single biggest thing is, is the life cycle for these mining chips. And, and that does continue to grow. So we are close. Um, but you know, someone's not going to change their, the boiler for their building every five years, 
um, because their mining chip is outdated. Uh, that is that is a more long term type of purchase. Yeah, but I agree. The life cycle of the chips is elongating. S nines are still profitable, <laughs> below two cents, I believe. They've been around for almost eight years now, which is pretty insane. Um, so that's only going to extend as we reach the physical limits of the amount of electricity we can push through the silicon on these chips. And at that point, yeah, I think the, the future of the distribution of hash rate is really bullish. It's going to be distributed geographically and <clears throat> from an ownership perspective, way more than it currently is. This is probably an ephemeral just trend in Bitcoin mining, I mean, these massive mega mines. You mentioned um, Satoshi being quite smart about early coin distribution. Um, if you actually go back to early Satoshi posts, I don't think he really, um, maybe he didn't really appreciate what was going to happen in terms of ASICs and stuff. I think he tried um, to prevent GPUs, didn't he? Yeah, but yeah, there's there's a there's a theory that the reason Laszlo paid for the pizzas was because Laszlo came out with the first GPU software and it was like a way GPU mining software and it was a way for him to get back in good graces with Satoshi to distribute uh, the coin that he had. But anyway, um, my point is is if you have a new algorithm, right? We use SHA two fifty six in Bitcoin. When that new algorithm is getting bootstrapped and you're having ASICs, and when you, when we talk about ASICs, um, you can essentially distill that to a single-purpose uh, computer chip that is designed to um, hash this specific algorithm, right? And in the early days of that adoption is when that production is most centralized and where that operation is most centralized, where you have very few manufacturers. Those manufacturers then control the distribution, they end up having kind of upstream value adds of um, actually mining with them <laughs> and firmware. Yeah, like, I mean, we saw in the early days of, of, of Bitmain that they had the largest mining pool. Uh, they were the largest single miner. They were the largest single manufacturer. And there's this bootstrap phase that has to happen, right? And during that period, uh, any proof of work chain including Bitcoin, is its most vulnerable. And we've gotten past the majority of that uh, bootstrap phase completely unscathed. Like not, I mean, China banned Bitcoin mining, but really like 17 times, but really uh, there was no real substantial attacks. And that window has has pretty much closed, if, if not completely closed, um, for there to be significant attacks on that side. And I think that is incredibly underappreciated. And that is one of the reasons why it's, it's if you wanted to bootstrap a true competitor to Bitcoin and try and launch a proof of work network, because the proof of stake networks cannot compete and people don't realize that yet, but they will eventually. Uh, that window probably is just not, not open to you, regardless of every other belief you have about Bitcoin. You try and launch a proof of work competitor right now, on a on a new algorithm because you can't use SHA-256 because you use SHA-256, existing Bitcoin miners can fucking wreck you. You are just completely vulnerable and every, all eyes are watching you. It's not just the cypherpunk mailing list with like 25 people on it. Um, it's everyone is fucking watching you and can attack you in that situation. 
I would argue this has been true since like 2013, 2014. I mean, you remember that shitcoin wave where you had the fair launch think, proof of work coins and they were all corrupted from the get-go. I think on the Bitcoin side, on the Bitcoin side, Marty, it was it was 2017. It was it was Jihan not and part of it was Bitcoin incentives, right? Jihan of Bitmain controlled the largest manufacturer of ASICs, he controlled the largest mining pool, and then Indirectly, because of a lot of his buddies that were buying his mining chips were also mining, he indirectly controlled an overwhelming majority of the hash rate. And he was supporting Bcash, Bitcoin Cash, a hostile fork of Bitcoin. And he refused to deploy his full hash strength on that chain um, because of the incentives of Bitcoin. Like, don't get me wrong. It was because of the incentives of Bitcoin that he was afraid of killing his golden goose, golden goose so he didn't actually move that hash over. But that to me, that was the turning point. The turning point was where he bent the knee, was like, I've failed. Um, and then Bitmain splintered, right? And MicroBTs essentially came out of, of Bitmain people, right? Like the lead engineer of, of, of the Bitmain. The founder of MicroBT. It was like was the lead, lead engineer. engineer. Yeah. yeah. And then all of a sudden, you know, you start having other players start to come into the space. And I just, I think that was the moment. That was the moment that we really got past um, that bootstrap phase. Yeah. And since then, that window has closed even more. You know, it's, it's hard to objectively quantify, but. No, I agree. And that's a, what you're just describing is like the Shaw, Hashcash Shaw 256 specific, like trying to launch Bcash, which uses the same hashing algorithm, like found out in 2017. Wasn't going to work, but again, even before that, there was this trend in like 2013, 2014, where you would do, you just use another scripting algorithm that wasn't SHA-256 and be like, this is going to be a better Bitcoin. They all got corrupted um, because they didn't have like a a natural grassroots growth and hash rate like Bitcoin did in the early days. They were all, everybody's on BitcoinTalk.org, like when's this fair proof of work launch going to be? And everybody would line up their GPUs or ASICs. And just mine the shit out of it and really corrupt the distribution from from the get-go. A little bit of Bitcoin history there. To tie up the mining talk, pull up the uh, the Pierre tweet, please, Logan. Um, this is the go-back to demand response here in Texas. And one of the arguments is that it can help level out pricing. And if I'm grokking Pierre's tweets, I'm not an expert on demand response and day-ahead pricing. But it looks like yesterday... Um, the dotted line, if you're watching this uh, on YouTube or Spotify or Bitcoin TV, you'll be able to see there's a, a dotted line that was showing that prices would hit $1,000 a megawatt hour um, or like a dollar kilowatt hour um, at some point yesterday due to the demand that was forecasted on Texas's grid. Uh, it did not come anywhere close to that. It was just below $250 a megawatt hour. Um, And I think Pierre, in this tweet, he says, on days like this, Bitcoin mining load is negatively correlated with grid non-mining load. Bitcoin miners turn off to avoid high prices. Handing over electricity supply to AC units, turning on to cool homes and businesses, this helps reduce electricity price volatility. So ERCOT was predicting that prices would jump up to uh, $1,000 per megawatt hour based on how hot it was going to be in the demand they were expecting because Bitcoin miners responded. Uh, it did not go nearly 
that high, just below $250 a megawatt hour. So I think, um, again, this is one data point, uh, probably maybe not indicative of the overall effect of Bitcoin miners, but maybe yesterday Bitcoin miners, because they engaged in demand response, helped keep pricing low for the rest of the grid, which is pretty interesting. We're starting to get more of this data. And that's another thing with demand response and it being validated, I think, certainly more validated than it was last year. But I think every year, particularly in the hot summers and the cold winters, where we get more of this data, it's going to become abundantly clear that Bitcoin mining embedded in grid systems does provide significant value from a stability and pricing standpoint. No, I agree. And I mean, I think, I think Texas is proving that out, right. Um, for everybody else, uh, if people are paying attention, it's very obvious. Um, I think there was even, did you see that blue check tweet that was about, uh, the electric vehicles in Texas? Um, handling Jesse it. Pelton, Jesse's tweet. I don't think it was Jesse. I thought it was some. Uh, I thought it was a blue check. I didn't know. I saw Jesse tweeting about. He, Jesse was tweeting about. Um, yeah, there's like Jesse. Two, He's a blue check. There was two hundred thousand EVs, and there's two hundred thousand EVs in Texas. And if yeah. they plugged in, they would have made something ridiculous, like ten million dollars, I think, or something. Uh, tweet, and getting paid up. back. Yeah, the tweet is, Texas has over 200,000 EVs, around 25% of their battery. Uh, I was right about the check. In parentheses, uh, 20 kilowatt hours <laughs> each would have supplied four gigawatt hours and made $20 million yesterday. EV owners can make 1,000, thousands of dollars a year, excuse me, with part of their battery on a few peak afternoons. More than 50% of those EVs are Tesla. Tesla, please enable V2G. ERCOT needs it. And I mean, it's pretty cool. But this was it, a different tweet. To be to be clear, this is a different tweet than the one I saw. Oh, it is. But what they could have made twenty million dollars yesterday. Yeah, because the one I saw, the one after it was asking Elon to. Uh, I guess Teslas don't support vehicle to grid, and they were asking Elon. Yeah, I just said that more than fifty percent of the EVs are Teslas. Tesla, please enable V to G. Oh, oh no, this grid. is it. Yeah, my bad. Yeah, this must be the one I was talking about. Yeah. Oh, I apologize, Freaks. I apologize, Marty. That sounds like a bit. It seems like an over-engineering of a problem. Just build more natural gas plants. No, yeah. I mean, <laughs> the first thing I thought, the first thing I thought is like, oh, energy costs are like going through the roof. Like, oh, my vehicle that I require to transport me places, I'm gonna deplete its battery when I'm gonna have to recharge it if if electricity is expensive, like you have to basically make that decision for yourself. Um, well, I actually like would probably as a owner of, of gas powered vehicles. Um, if I saw energy going up, my immediate reaction would be to, to get as much gasoline as possible into them and into external tanks so that I would be good in that situation. This would be the opposite. Um, but my point remains that, it's the normalization of demand response as a concept. And I think that probably does help Bitcoin miners in terms of that narrative or that explanation. It's like, oh, it, it's it's what you're used to with your EVs, right? And like we see like uh, states like California, complete failed state, um, <laughs> they are going to adopt demand response on the EVs first, right? And so once they adopt that, then you go to them and you say, you see this program you have, this program is way better. Um, 
and and you're able to kind of use that as a narrative bridge. Um, I remember during their last price spike in California, um, people who owned electric vehicles there had to use gas generators to charge them because they were policing the grid and said you couldn't charge your electric vehicle. Yes. California is a failed state. And imagine like you, you have a Grateful Dead concert somewhere in California. Everybody's going to be driving their EVs to the show. They're not going to be showing up to, to sell their, their battery electricity back to the grid. It's much easier just to have the Bitcoin miners there on all the time. They're not going to go to a Grateful Dead concert. It goes back to, um, first of all, I hope you're not disparaging the dead in your comments. No, no, I love the dead. Okay. I love the dead. Um, seeing them. John Mayer with Dead & Co. is a very good show. See them twice. Fantastic show. Um, yes. The good vibes. Um, I mean, it goes back to the whole Netflix example, right? Is if you're using EVs for your demand response, like people still need to travel places. Uh, but with Bitcoin miners, you can literally just fucking turn them off and there's no negative. In 15 seconds. You don't have to wait for somebody to show up to a charging station. Could take forever. We know traffic is bad in California. It could be Maybe it's not a dead, dead concert. It's just bad traffic. You can't get there. There's always bad traffic. Yeah. In California, they only talk about two things. They talk about weather and traffic. That's it. All right, that's mining. Very interesting. We're learning a lot here <laughs> on the go. And I think it is, it, uh, being sincere, it is really fascinating to watch this all play out in real time, get these reps, if you will, with Bitcoin being integrated in demand response systems. It seems like... From observation over the last couple of years, it is getting more sophisticated. It is becoming more reliable. It's great to see. I mean, that's something we've been saying here for years is that Bitcoin mining is going to become completely integrated in energy systems globally. And it seems like that thesis is being validated, at least here in Texas right now. So it's cool to see. Very bullish overall in energy. The energy sector is the base layer of our society. We can't do any of this without energy. And so in terms of... We can talk about getting BlackRock uh, involved in Bitcoin as high leverage. I think something that's even more high leverage is getting the energy sector, the most important sector uh, of the global economy. Um, once they get it and they say, hey, we actually need this. You can't take this away from us. That's a pretty big win for Bitcoin overall. <laughs> this was unfortunate to see. Uh, have you heard of anybody that... Uh, that was a scammed by this attack. The fake Trezor wallet app was the top search result for Trezor. In the no, but I store. saw you you covered it in the bent, and uh, I thought that was a good PSA that you did. Um, and yeah, I mean, I assume there are probably thousands of people that have been scammed by this. Um, there's a fake Trezor app in uh, the Apple App Store, um, so don't download it. And, uh, I mean, Marty gave a bunch of different recommendations, but the number one recommendation, if you're using a hardware wallet is, um, any of the top hardware wallets. And I will once again, reiterate that my favorite one is the cold card. Um, but any of the top hardware wallets, whether that's cold card foundation, Trezor, even ledger, um, Bitbox, they won't ask you to put your seed phrase, your secret backup words directly into the app. It will always be onto the device. 
So if you have a app that you download that is you're used to it being your normal app, maybe it looks exactly like Ledger Live or Treasure Web Suite or or whatever app you use for Bitcoin and it asks you for your secret backup words, that seed phrase, whether it's like 12 words or 24 words, and it asks you to put it in to the computer or to your phone, it is trying to scam you and take your money. You should be putting it directly into the hardware wallet. And hardware wallet manufacturers, obviously we've been in the middle of fights between all of them about how which one secures which better or whatnot. The single best thing that hardware wallets have done is that they have normalized the practice of not entering that secret phrase words into your internet connected devices. You enter it into the hardware wallet itself. That is where you enter it. Keep that in mind. Yes. Be aware, freaks. Be aware. Nuance here. If you're using mobile wallet like Blue Wallet or Moon, I'm not sure how Moon Moon doesn't use seed phrase recovery, right? They use some different Correct. backup. Um, but with Blue Wallet, something to note too, let's say if you're the only time you should enter a seed phrase is if you're intentionally recovering from seed, then you type it in and you should immediately, if you do recover from seed using a mobile wallet and you're forced to type out the words uh, in full, you should immediately sweep the Bitcoin from that wallet in case your yeah. phone has some keystroke what, malware on it or something like that. What, what Marty is trying to say is that one of the cool parts about hardware wallets is the good ones all use the BIP39 standard for these secret word phrases, these secret backup words. So if for some reason cold card goes out of business and you can't get a hardware wallet or for whatever reason you're in a country where you can't get a hardware wallet and your, your hardware wallet stops working, you can recover it in the popular in the good software wallets like Blue Wallet. You can recover it in Sparrow Wallet, which I love on desktop. Um, you can recover in that situation by simply entering your words in. Now I will say, um, and in that situation, it is it is on an internet connected device, and you have to assume that it could be compromised in that situation, right? So as Marty said, you want to send the transfer out right away, but. If you're in a situation, a normal situation, and you can get another hardware wallet, get another hardware wallet and enter it directly into that hardware wallet. Yes. And then you don't even have to deal with that. That is just in a situation where you can't get one um, and you need to enter it somewhere. Yes. Be aware, freaks. Be aware. And yes, we have Rand Moore in the comments talking about Seed Signer. Uh, seed signer allows you, I have actually have a sticker right here on my table of seed signer. Um, seed signer allows you to build your own hardware wallet or signing device um, from off the shelf parts. Um, in that situation, you would also be entering it directly into the seed signer. You actually, because it doesn't have a secure element, you enter it every single time you, you boot up the device. When it loses power, it forgets the seed. It's designed to forget the seed. Um, I will say that there's a lot of nuance here. Um, as always, as always, beware of the nuance freaks. But I personally like Seed Signer more in a multi-sig quorum as one of the signers rather than as a single-sig signer, uh, particularly if you're buying a, a pre-built Seed Signer. Uh, so just keep that in mind. But if you're building it yourself, throw a model is a little bit different. 
I do not like the idea of sharing seed signers. People could constantly recommend sharing seed signers among people. It has no secure element. There's no data integrity there. Someone can maliciously change the firmware and you don't even know and you upload your seed. Um, but uh, yeah, there's nuance here. Most most of these attacks are just completely theoretical. If you use this hardware wallet, you are ahead of 99% of the world and you're way, 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 way farther ahead than all the millionaires and billionaires that we've been front running this whole fucking time. Agreed. Some other things to be aware of too. Like if you are going to download like tr something like Trezor Suite or Ledger Live or Sparrow, anything that you'll download on your phone or desktop, use multi like multiple avenues to verify that you're actually downloading it from the right place. Find the official Twitter account, the official website, reach out to a friend, reach out to us, be like, hey, is this what I actually need to download? Ideally, you go to the GitHub page, download it from source and verify the PGP key associated with the project. <laughs> uh, nobody's I, doing that. Nobody's going to do um, that. You but. should do that. You should do that. Uh, and if you have a Mac, uh, if you go to uh, GPG tools, I think it's gpgtools.org. Let me check. gpgtools.org on Mac is probably the best U UX that you can ever get uh, for uh, verifying GPG and PGP keys of 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 downloads. And and basically, what does that prove? All Linux computers have it built in, uh, not GPG suite. You have to use the command line, but they have GPG built in. What does that do? It means that let's say you're trying to download Sparrow Wallet. Uh, it proves that Craig Raw was the one who put that download up there. Uh, it proves that the creator of the wallet, the maintainer of the wallet, uh, it wasn't modified before you download. It doesn't stop you from getting rugged by the actual creator of the software, um, but it stops a man in the middle from coming in and putting a malicious software update there, which we have seen in the past, malicious software updates. Now, if you use an app store, um, Apple and Google have their own kind of protections in terms of trying to verify whether or not that's a legitimate download. Uh, that is probably good for most people's threat models, but it's worth noting that, of course, they can corrupt that process in that App Store process. Um, we have, um, we have uh, Philip Rizzo in the comments, who, by the way, I just love that you just constantly participate in RHR. I've gotten to know your brother very well, so it's just cool to meet his brother through the RHR comments saying that he tested his backup today on green wallet this morning. Is that okay? It was cool to see. It is definitely cool to see. Uh, but now your seed was put into an internet connected device. <laughs> and I hate to tell you, you should probably create a new wallet on whichever hardware wallet you're using and then send your funds to that new wallet and never put your seed into an internet connected device. That is a, I assume your cold storage savings. You do not want to do that. And then last but not least, I would say is one of the cool aspects of wallets that have secure elements, like the cold card, like foundation, like Bitbox, uh, like Ledger even, is that because they have a secure element, they're able to take the signing key of the maintainer and they're able to keep it in their secure enclave. And as a result, what that means is you should still PGP verify your firmware downloads, but the device is supposed to check 
to make sure that in the case of 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 cold card to make sure that CoinKite was the one who issued the firmware update. The cold card is is designed to tell you if it's a malicious firmware update um, because of the secure element, uh, which is just a really nice additional feature because unfortunately the overwhelming majority of people are not going to check their PGP and GPG keys. Um, so yeah. Yeah. Keep that in mind. Be aware, freaks. Be aware. Um, keep going. I got to respond to something real quick. Um, I'm going to keep going. Uh, we have a bunch of software updates. Um, wow, we really did not get through this list. I forgot to mention that Noster the interoperable permissionless censorship resistant communication protocol that Parker will come around to understanding the power of gradually then suddenly has surpassed a million Bitcoin transactions um, through the protocol. So if you, if you use Noster, um, one of the popular uses of Noster is as a Twitter replacement. There's a bunch of clients that allow you to post these Noster posts and then people can send you Bitcoin transactions um, all through the Lightning Network, we have passed a million transactions. The first million transactions are the most difficult. Um, we are going to go way up from here, and uh, if you're if you're not paying attention, you probably should be. Um, next on the list, we have Voltage Surge has launched. Voltage Surge is a awesome tool from the Voltage team that lets you easily see all the different health statistics and the different um, metrics that you'd want to see when you're managing Lightning Node. If you've been listening to Rabbit Hole Recap for any amount of time, you know that we run many Lightning Nodes here and it can be a pain in the fucking ass and a massive mental burden. It is really cool that Surge is now available and allows us to much easier, much more easily manage our lightning nodes um it's just really clean everyone should check it out if you use voltage it's really cool i do appreciate it um and one of the cool aspects of it is there's other tools like rtl ride the lightning thunderhub lightning terminal um lightning terminal just released an update as well that has this auto fees mechanism that is is quite cool um that, that lets you eat more easily manage your node. What's One of the cool things about Surge is you can actually connect multiple nodes relatively easily. So you can see all your node metrics in one place if you're running multiple nodes. And it's all at a very competitive price point that is not just for enterprise users. Us plebs can use it as well. Um, my favorite Noster client, Primal, uh, now has custom notifications and direct message support. Uh, this was a really big update because apparently I have not been responding to Noster DMs because I've been using Primal and it didn't have direct message support. So now I can finally start replying back to my DMs. Um, Primal is also testing out their iOS app, their Apple app. Um, right now it's desktop only. You use it with Albi or another extension that holds your private key for you. Um, but they are planning to release on mobile, both Android and iPhone. And CEO Milan, who is a impressive builder and has a fantastic team over at Primal, 
we'll be at Bitcoin Park for our Lightning Summit July 13th and 14th. I'm very excited about it. We're going to have some good Noster discussions uh, with him in town. I'm excited for him to jam with the Muni Wallet boys as well. That's July 13th and 14th. Bitcoinpark.com slash lightning23 if you wish to join us. I will be in town for that. Thank you for putting up with my uh, my distraction here. I had to take care of something real quick. But yes, I'm excited for Primal for the Lightning Summit in Nashville. Shout out to Noster. Over a million zaps. We're going to win, freaks. Dude, a million zaps. That's big. That's a lot. That's fucking big. You haven't sent me one yet, though. So that's pretty. No no zaps for blue checks. That's, I'm actually, uh, I've been talking to Milan. Uh, I want Primal to have a feature that checks Twitter and lets me know. If I try and zap a blue check, I want them to let me know that this person has a blue check and say, like, are you sure you want to zap the blue check? And then you have to press yes or no. Like you, you have a prompt. That seems like a distraction for the primal team. It sounds like a blue check feels a little bit threatened yeah. and doesn't want this very useful feature to be rolled out. Let's see. I got my last zap was 42 minutes ago. I got 21. No minutes. zaps for blue checks. People Whoever are you were. Don't zap him again. Yeah. Be aware. Be aware. <laughs> uh, before we get through the rest of the software updates, we do have to read two weeks worth of shout outs. We didn't read them last week when we were in. Boostergrams. Boostergrams, yes. There are no shout outs anymore. When we had our party rip in Nashville last week. We did not get to them. So I'll read first. Top four boostergrams from last week's rip, $257 million Bitcoin by end of day. Money, Matt. <laughs> highest of what signals great, as always. What a great title. Appreciate you. How about adding just one more conference to your list and come out to Pacific Bitcoin this year? I uh, think I will be at Pacific Bitcoin this year. Uh, I will probably not be there. At Eric99, 50,000 stats. Stay humble, stack sats. Great advice. At 8 Mithrandir, 21,012 sats. Palindrome boost, stay humble and stack sats. Sound advice until all your on-ramps get shut down. The freaks need to invest time now on learning to use P2P on-ramps like BISC and RoboSats before it's too late. And also, just accept Bitcoin for your goods and services. Great way to get P2P Bitcoin. Yeah, shout out BTC Pay Server. I think uh, Circular Economy fixes this. Yes. Shout out to all the merchants that accept Bitcoin using BTC Pay Server. You're part of the solution and I appreciate you. At Mr. Mr. 5001 Sats, I want a Bitcoin Park hat. Is you got to join a, as a member. Are you a member? Thank you for your support. Going back two weeks, rabbit hole recap 256, the bank runs continue at Free Critter, 161,723 Sats. Big one. Hashing today's date for my overdue boost chain beta block proof of work. The RHR rip confirmed I'm investing in the right areas with my time and treasure. Highlights worth replaying. Don't lose the plot. Right to choose the money you use. You need to get burned to learn. Who's the baddie here? ETH becomes the captured and controlled system. Be unruggable. Great counterpoint about Twitter, Marty. Thank you. Operate as if your electronic devices are compromised. Uh, and see you freaks at BitBlockBoom. Boom. That. that was a great recap of last episode. Two episodes ago, yeah. Oh, this is two episodes ago. Fair enough. I'm bummed we didn't read this last week because this is a very, uh, very well-boosted episode. At Lone Star, 125,000 sats. Love the show. 
totally on fire once again, breaking down the crony moves with the scalpel and blowtorch. Keep it up. It's the Great combo advice. you want. You want a scalpel and a blowtorch. I know. Uh, it's very exact, but also brutal. Yes. At Scarcity, uh, 80,085 sats of boobs boost. Uh, boosting what Marty's golf score would have been if it wasn't a scramble. See y'all at the park. I take <laughs> I take offense to that scarcity. You uh, should. That was a dig. That was a good dig. It wouldn't have taken me 80,000, 85 strokes to get done. Okay, maybe 120. Uh, at Svaniel. How many boosts are you reading? This is the fourth one. It's the last one. 55,555 sats. That's, stay okay. humble, stack sats, and read mandibles. Exclamation Great point. advice. Thank you, sir. Yes. Mandibles. Mandibles. Drink. All I, right, thought, back, I thought that was more than four. Back to, well, it was two episodes, so it was technically eight. Oh, we were on the second episode then. Yes. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. I was confused. Uh, I got a drink. Mandibles. All right. We're going through this list. LDK node version 0.1.0 has been released. Running LDK, ready to go. Lightning Node library is ready for you. Provides a straightforward interface and an integrated on-chain wallet. Start OS, the operating system from the Start9 Labs team, version 0.3.4.3 has been released. If you're running the Start operating system, that upgrade is available for you. Treasure Suite, version 22.6.1 has been released got a smoother coin join process uh we're not particularly fond of that coin join imp- implementation but smoother process if you're running it at highlighter version 0.7.0 has been released peach bitcoin the peer-to-peer shout out pablo 7z highlighter is fucking dope it's a Nostra project uh, peach version 0.2.9 has been released peer-to-peer bitcoin trading app if you're running that we've got a new upgrade New app release. Bitbox app version 4.37.1 has been released. Umbrel OS version 0.5.4 has been released. They reimagined the app store. It's a new app store UI. Mutiny wallet and node updates. Um, no version here. Mutiny wallet and node updates. Smoother and safer experience. Mutiny is web first wallet. Capable of running anywhere, providing instant onboarding and platform censorship resistance, self-custodial, privacy-focused, and user-friendly. No information about the upgrade in that uh, lead there. Um, there's exciting updates. I'm including Ron a Burgundy. Cenmax. I'm Ron Burgundy. Electrum version 4.4.5 has been released. OG Bitcoin Wallet. NDK version 0.5.4. Has been this released. Is Pablo as well. Noster development kit. Pablo's a beast. He's like a one man machine over he's, there. He's got like 18,000 projects going on over there. Eclair lightning implementation version 0.9.0 has been released. Seems like a major one. Dual funding, splicing prototype. Splicing's pretty cool. Bolt 12. Most people's exposure to Eclair is using it with Phoenix Wallet. Yes. Uh, on mobile. Highly recommend Phoenix Wallet. Great wallet. Is Bolt 12 live? We continued working on Bolt 12 support. Made a lot of updates on this experimental feature. Getting close. Yeah, every the different teams are kind of working on it in parallel. 
We'll be talking more about it at the Lightning Summit. Should Feels like we're close. Get the Nashville. And last but not least, join in box version 0.8.0 has been released. This is a way to interface. A join market, correct? Correct. Um, join in box is an easy way to use join market. Um, and it's packaged into the Raspi Blitz um, node package. Yeah. Um, I uh, I don't have I didn't put it on the list, but I had the chance of using Lightning Terminal uh, from the Lightning Labs team, uh, which is a way to manage your Lightning node. Pretty cool interface. Pretty happy with it so far. It has this auto fees feature, so your your node can change fees on the fly automatically. Um, on, on a channel by channel basis, which I'm kind of curious on how that will work. So I'm going to leave that running and I'll report back to you guys. But I also connected to it using lightning node connect, which is a new connection method that the L and D team has put out there. Um, and I also use that to connect to Zeus and I have to say pretty great, pretty great connection method. Yes. It's very performant. It's very quick. It's very easy to do. It, it basically gives you what looks like a seed. It gives you 12 words that you put into whatever you want to connect to. You get to put permissions on how long you want it to have access to your lightning node. It's very clean. It's very clean and it makes Zeus work way, way better um, than when you're connecting uh, through Tor. Hell yeah. It relies yeah. on some kind of mailbox server, and I don't really understand what the trust trade-off there is. A private, I think it's not a trust trade-off. I think it's a privacy trade-off. I'm not quite sure, but I'll figure that out, and I'll report back to you, freaks. But very clean, very performant, much success. Yeah, the uh, the automatic like fee optimization, routing fee optimization for people running nodes is really cool. Yeah. It's hard to know what fees to set. Yeah. So I do wonder like at scale, if if you have like 70% of routing nodes using the same auto fee uh, algorithm or something, like you could probably have ridiculously weird edge cases. So hopefully- Does it get arbed work. out? That's the question of arbido. Does yeah. it get arbido? Or like what happens if they're just like, they're all auto feeing against each other? <laughs> it's like, what the fuck's going on? There's smart people at Lightning Labs. I'm sure they thought through this. That's true. What else have we got going on? Anything about Hunter Biden getting a slap on the wrist? Anything think there? Did he get a slap on the wrist? Seems like that's going to I think seems like he's going to get probation. I haven't been following it, but the blue checks are probably behind it. Mm-hmm. Got that going on. That's why I think the uh, when I said earlier that the the submarine things a psyop. I think that's there's been too I much agree. attention. I agree. It's that. a blue check psyop. Yeah. What else do we have? The government admitted it's military. It's to stop you from knowing that that the elite sunk the Titanic. Yeah. Military admitted that they're uh, manipulating the weather. Something to be aware of. Um, Source? Uh, the military. Source? Source? Military. Source? I'm source I'm you. Where did the military say this? Let me find it. I got to find it. Let me search military weather. I enjoy source seagling you on air. 
U.S. military admits to altering the weather according to documents. Uh, what website? Need to find the documents. According to documents. I haven't found the documents. All right. Take that one with a grain what, of salt. What site is that? The leading report. Look, I'm not saying that the military doesn't manipulate the weather. I just find it hard to believe that they would admit to manipulating the weather. U.S. military research paper from 1996 called Weather as a Force Multiplier. Owning the weather in 2025, the report <laughs> outlines a strategy to use a weather modification system to achieve military objectives. So that's the document. Yeah. Makes sense that they would try. Yes. Lines up. H-A-A-R-P, harp. Look into it, freaks. It's real. Let's end on a good note, though. Larry. Papa Larry Fink, coming to pump our Papa bags. Larry. Thanks, Larry. I know we've I had will a lot, say we've had a lot of beef uh, over the years, but thank you for coming to pump our bags. It's all we care about no, here I mean, is number good. Larry out. can go fuck himself, uh, but so can Barry. Uh, and there is there is a it is pretty funny that after years of trying to get an ETF, like Barry owes people billions of dollars and he's about to get slurped by Larry and BlackRock. It's like there's a beautiful irony in, in that, you know? I don't know. Yeah. I think that's kind of funny. And we, uh, we talked about this yeah. one yesterday, the day before. And there are rumors that Fidelity is going to acquire Grayscale, which would mean they would acquire GPTC. And I guess a lot of people are theorizing that that is why the GBTC discount is getting closer to NAV uh, over the last week. Um, people believing that Fidelity is going to take over Grayscale, take over GBTC, and then turning it into an ETF. And they think that Fidelity will be able to turn it into an ETF because the SEC likes them more than Grayscale. I think that probably is in the same vein as BitGo acquiring Prime Trust and Binance acquiring FTX. I would agree and with that, that. There's way too much baggage there. There's way too much hopium. And uh, if you own GBTC, I really don't like you've already made your mistake. I don't know what the proper plan is. I don't know if you try and hold it out and hope you get par value eventually, or if you try and sell this pump. Really sucks that you're in that situation. You're going to kind of have to make that decision yourself. But I would not bank on Fidelity or one of these regulated players, heavily regulated players, to come in and, and scoop up GBTC. Because I just don't, you know, well, what is the value add? If you start to look at the value add, you're going to scoop up this entity that... Bitcoin worth of management fees that you can get on top of it. But those management fees, you're not going to get in when BlackRock gets their ETF. Because those management fees are completely predatory and are way too high in an actual competitive free market. You can always adjust. So you're them. not gonna, you're not gonna get those fees, and you can just start up your own. You can start up your own investment vehicle and charge whatever fees you want to charge, um, and you don't have all the baggage of owing billions of dollars to retail investors. So I just don't think it's going to happen. I think what could be more likely to happen is the kind of uh, um, hostile takeover by shareholders that like force the hand 
GPT shareholders, but I still don't even expect that. Like I think that is mostly hopium. Um, and I think these are all just very expensive lessons on why self-custody is important and why people should take personal responsibility. But uh, if when the BlackRock ETF gets approved, that GBTC discount widens even further. Uh, yeah. Like I, the rats are just going to all... Can you even get out of GBTC right now? Yeah, you could trade it. You could just sell it. You just, yeah. you just, you have to own the discount if you do that. Yeah. Beware People freaks. are saying, we have Joshua in the comments saying the thought is the grayscale spot ETF application could come next following BlackRock getting approved. It's just, no, it's not going to happen. Like, you think regulators like Barry, he's fucking suing the SEC. I just, it's not going to happen. And he owes billions of dollars. I, I love the Gemini twins. It's one billion, Fucking isn't it? Billions. A billion. <laughs> no, he owes Gemini users a billion. Oh, yeah. He owes true. other people even more money. <laughs> um, I just like the Gemini one because it's provocative. But, you know, Cameron and Tyler are very outspoken for owing a billion dollars to their users. Like about SEC transgressions and stuff like they're adding Pepe just, coin to Gemini. Stop, stop tweeting. Stop tweeting. If they want, if they wanted my unsolicited advice, I would say just stop tweeting. How are they going to pump Mars Juncture? Mars. <laughs> I forgot their up and coming band. Their their artist. Okay. The band is how they express their art. Like, get your users their billion dollars that you owe them and stop blaming it on Barry Silbert and pay them their fucking money. If they play, the, if they do the Jersey Shore tour this summer, I'm definitely going to go to one of two shows. You're going to go? Yeah. That's a freak heuristic. If the uh, co founders of the exchange where you purchase your Bitcoin start a cover band, uh, get your Bitcoin off the exchange and find another one. But not if they have original hits, only cover band. Only cover band. No. Yes. They do the work. They do like the, the stereotypical covers. <laughs> they do uh, Don't Stop Believing. Like, all the Dude, I, poor Yellow has been doing Don't Stop Believing every day <laughs> until we hit $100,000. But he's been doing it. Props to him. Props where props are due. Well, Yellow, we're moving closer to 100000 See if we did during the show. Currently sitting at. Do you remember last week we were talking about God candles and there was a God candle on Binance US? Did you see that? Yeah, it went up to like one hundred thirty-six thousand. So technically, <laughs> yeah. yellow, you might be able to stop. No, that doesn't count. It's Don't a... stop believing, but you can stop. Doing no, stuff. no, that's a cop out. Okay. We didn't hit one hundred k. Binance. Binance is Binance US is is has no liquidity and is under attack by the U.S. government, and that price doesn't count. Bitcoin's at like 77,000 Argentine pesos. <laughs> pesos. All-time high. All-time high. That's like that's like my favorite Thanksgiving cope or whatever. They're like, oh, Matt, you, you wouldn't shut up about Bitcoin last year. Like, what's the current price of Bitcoin? It's like, oh, well, it's, you know, this in Argentine pesos, all-time high. Never really goes over well. I can't buy anything with pesos here. To be clear, Joshua, in the comments, that's Binance US, not real Binance. Yes. 
it's their subsidiary that has no liquidity right now because the U.S. government is trying to seize all their assets. And Prime Trust got just got rugged, which was it's like their main facilitator. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Not funny. It sucks, but yeah. also a little funny. It's important to laugh. Yes. Got to find humor laugh in this world. Life is short. You got to be able to laugh at yourself. You got to be able to wear the blue check hat the whole the whole episode. You know. How great was that? That's good. Did you? That's pleb, plebs coming together. Not no. I was I was I was aware. I was aware. I was not. Um. I like the hat though. I was going to debut this hat regardless if your hat came in. <laughs> if I wear this in public, do you was, think people? I knew it was honest way. If I wear this in public, do you think people think I'm just a huge douche? No, you're in Austin. No, dude, you're in Austin. I feel like it's very normal for blue checks to walk around with. Look, what do you think? People be like, "Wow, respect." (laughs) Do you think they'll think it's funny, or like they'll actually try to signal? I dare you. Then I'm a blue check. Get out of my way, peasants. Logan, Logan, you don't have a blue check, right? No. Did you hear that? You hear how he responded? He's been very insubordinate the last couple weeks. I'm very proud. That insubordination. uh, I, I noted that in your file from last week. If if when Marty becomes say, a problem, Logan, you can just move to Nashville and you when can. When you tell us here. a joke, this is check two, Logan. Um, next infraction of insubordination. I'm getting the switch out. We're gonna we're gonna beat y'all there. <laughs> wow, I'm kidding. things blue check say. I'm kidding, you had the power with the blue check. It's getting to, it's going to his head. Literally, it's right there. All right, should we wrap this? Yeah. Um, I don't have a blue check, but I have a blue button that I can just click and end the stream. <laughs> that would be the ultimate form of insubordination. I love you, freaks. I love you, Marty. Thank you, Logan, for everything. Resist the check. Stay strong against the check. Stay humble, stack sets. Peace and love, freaks. Okay.